Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. You're locked in. Look at what we have here, folks. To the only show that matters. The cream of the crop. Duke loves wrestling. And there is no one that does it better than your host. I have come here to chew bubblegum and kick ass. The Duke. And I'm all out of bubblegum. Welcome back to the Duke Loves Wrestling podcast, the show about pro wrestling and everything else. What's going on there, everybody? Hope you are enjoying the transition from summer to fall. You know, here in in sunny Boston, Massachusetts, it's crazy. We'll have days where we can get as high as 80 degrees, and then we'll have these moments where we're in the 30s. Like, it's just crazy. And of course, the fall foliage is in full effect. So we're starting to see the leaves turn colors and things of that nature. Really cool. Really cool. Anywhere in New England, especially as you get further up into northern New England, and you see the foliage, a lot of folks travel through here, check that out, what have you. So, But to, to live it is a whole other experience for sure. So again, I hope everybody listening is, is safe. Hope you and your loved ones are safe. I'll tell you, man, I I just, I'm, I'm very blessed and very happy not only to be delivering the show to you on a weekly basis, but also just because of the great pro wrestling out there today. I mean, really, the industry itself is bouncing back so strongly that it's just really cool to see. And there are a lot of big events, not only, you know, mainstream pro wrestling we see on TV, but these indie events. I mean, you know, the folks at Ignite Wrestling, they're doing some great stuff. I know that um, GCW, they've been putting on some great events, and they got some more coming up and what have you. There's just a lot of good stuff. Our, our friends over at Middle Kingdom Wrestling in China, which, you know, they're a mainstream promotion over there in China. Shout out to Adrian and the folks. Just really, really cool to see the industry is finding a way to bounce back. That's the way it should be. You know, and it's important that all of us continue to support, right? So, of course, with the holidays coming up and what have you, you know, reach out to your your favorite wrestlers. Check out their, whether they have Patreons, you know, folks like uh, Sarah the Rebel or OnlyFans, you know, shout out to my friend April Hunter, great friend of the show, or, you know, custom matches. Mission, Mission Pro Wrestling does custom matches. They do a great job with that. Um subscription services, you know, the title match uh, wrestling network, they have a great subscription service, you know, for less than 10 bucks, you can see their whole archive of stuff. There's just a lot of cool stuff out there, folks, that if you can, please continue to support, um, put it on your holiday wish list. You know, you can get a subscription to some of this stuff. It's just every little bit counts. That's for sure. Every little bit counts. And I'll tell you right now, we have someone this week on the show that you know, this is probably going to be one of the more controversial episodes because he's naming names and he's saying who's who and what's what, right? And I'm talking about the one, the only Reggie B. Fine. If you're somebody who's familiar with the Memphis and Texas territories, especially in the in the 90s and in the, in the 2000s or what have you, you know, Reggie B. Fine was a a fixture, man. You know, and I would say he was the original Godfather. If you remember the Godfather character in the WWE, Reggie B. Fine was doing that way before Charles Wright was doing it, right? And Reggie B. Fine, he he's it. He is what he says he is. He he is one hundred percent real, but also a, a very humble guy at the same time. And I think you're gonna really enjoy this interview. Now, full disclosure here, folks. I'm gonna peel back the curtain a little bit, give you a little bit behind the scenes. From time to time, this happens, you know, and this time of year, especially, it gets kind of crazy. The weather affects uh, our interviews. And I had a decision to make, you know, because unfortunately, the connection between Reggie and I was a little screwy. And you're going to hear it in the interview. You're going to hear a click when he talks. You know, they call that clipping for all you audio files, all you audio nerds out there clipping. And the clipping was so strong that it was just I couldn't edit it out unfortunately. So here's what I'm going to promise you. 
and and promise Reggie. I'm going to have Reggie come back on the show in the not too distant future. And between now and then, I'll figure out a way to, you know, overcome some of those audio challenges there so we can get a clean, consistent interview in terms of sound. Uh, but I didn't want to throw this away because the content is so strong. I, I wanted to share this with you folks. So please, if you can bear with the, the clicking sound that you're going to hear when Reggie's speaking, you're going to get some amazing content because Reggie B. Fine does not do a lot of interviews. He's a person who is very open and honest about mistakes that he's made in life and in the wrestling industry. And he's not afraid to name a few folks who have made some mistakes on their own or, you know, have been questionable on their own. So again, I want you to hear this interview with Reggie B. Fine. And at the tail end of that, I'll come back and just share a few more words there. In fact, it's, I can't even call it an interview because we were literally just having a conversation like we normally do. I mean, Reggie's a good dude. So I'm going to start this at a point where we're already going and you'll just, you know, be almost like you're eavesdropping on something. So uh, I'll, I'll catch you on the back end of this, my conversation with Reggie B. Fine. You know, you're a guy that when I say your name out there, people start losing their mind, man, because they know they're going to get the real, they know they're going to get the truth, and they know they're going to hear some things that they may not have heard before. I mean, have you always had that reputation for just telling the truth? Yes, sir, Rebarbo. I lied for you before I lied to you, man. I ain't. I'm not finna sugarcoat nothing. If you want to know and, and, and you want the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth for this wrestling game and life too, bro. You know, I don't drink, I don't smoke, I don't do drugs no more. I got my head back. I'm, I'm clear now. So I can tell you anything you want to know, bro. First and foremost, when you were in the wrestling industry, when did you start and when did you officially retire? Well, believe it or not, uh, dude, I started back in 1989. I was... Uh, a runner, what you call a runner, you know how like a, a, a gopher, stews, or whatever you want to call them, like downtown Bruno. He started out doing the same shit I did. You know, I was riding around with Coco Beware, Narville Austin, and Brickhouse Brown. It was back in 86, 87, somewhere up in there, in Memphis, Tennessee. And uh, I went up to Narville one day. I said, hey, man, because uh, he used to date a, a young lady live like four or five doors down when we were staying in these projects in Memphis, Tennessee. And he used to come over there every Saturday at the TV. I think he had about two or three, four kids by her or something. And every Saturday morning, he'd come down. And so one morning, I approached him because I've been a wrestling fan all my life, too. So I just asked him, I said, hey, man, uh, can I be a wrestler, man? I want to be a wrestler too, man. I want to. I want to go with you. I want to do this. You know, all the in and out bullshit stuff. About twenty five, twenty sixteen. He looked at me. I was one hundred and sixty five pounds. He just looked at me and started laughing. And I said, "What's funny, man?" He said, "You too little, dude. You got to gain some weight. Or you got. You got to get way bigger than what you are." I said, "Okay, then, Mister." I called Mister Narvi. I said, "Okay, Mister Austin. Well, what can I? I, I just want to do something. Can I drive you?" You know, can I ride? No, I asked, can I ride with you to one of these towns you'll go to? You know, like Jonesville and the different town like that. He said, I'll tell you what, man. Uh, you got a driving license? I said, yeah, I got a driving license. He said, why don't you just drive me and Brickhouse and, you know, whoever I'm wrestling with, with that night. And uh, he said, "You can, I'll let you do that. I said, okay, ain't no problem. So, shit, he came and picked me up. He had a 75 flat nose van. I'll never forget. You know them, you know them flat nose? Oh, yeah, man. You're talking about a real classic right there, boy. Yes, sir. But he had one of those, man. Like three seat. Had, I call it the love machine. Really had like three, that big round love seat seat in the back and a couple of captain chairs. But anyway, the day he came and got me, he had Robert Fuller. He had, I think it was Dennis Condry and Brickhouse. And he was telling him that I got a guy going to drive us. So driving over there, you know, doing my thing. First week went good. So he said, you wanna, if you want to drive us again, you know, it's all good. I'm going to pay you. You know, they back there smoking their little shit, and, you know. I don't know if they snowing or whatever. I don't know what the hell they were doing back there, but I was peeping in the mirror every now and then. So one night he had picked up, they had some rats coming back from somewhere. And you know what rats is. And most of the rats, some people know what rats is. So they had two or three of them in the back seat back there. So I was driving. Instead of, instead of me, you know, 
driving like I'm supposed to be driving. I'm looking in the rear view and I made it like a little swerve real fast. I swerved because I wasn't paying attention. I'm looking back there listening and, and watching them. I don't know what they were doing, to be honest with you. Maybe been back there getting some head or some ass or something. I don't know what they were doing. But anyway, I snatched real, real hard. I tell this story on one of my uh, DVDs. And uh, he said, uh, he said, hey, what the fuck is you doing, man? I said, man, I don't know. I think something ran out in the street. So, you know, quite that. I'm trying to look in the rear view mirror trying to see what happened. And the next week he came and picked me up and had a curtain pulled across <laughs> to separate, you know, the, me from the back part. I thought that was some funny shit, man. He said, you won't be swerving no more, dude. But that's, that's one reason I got, you know, kind of got it how I got in the wrestling game, really by bullshit. That's a trip because it wasn't too long before you were actually out there uh, they put they put a microphone in your hand and and before you knew it, man, you were t- you were off to the races, right? Yes, Jerry Lawler, Brickhouse brought me in the game really for the TV thing. I was really just like I said, being a stooge to go for a, go get me some beer, go get me some weed type shit, you know. Because you know I'm from the hood, man. Memphis. Anybody know anything about North Memphis, Orange Mound? That's where I'm from. But man, you know I can get anything. You where well, I can. Just not me. Anybody could have got anything you want. And a lot of the boy was, you know, on this shit. So they couldn't go to the hood. You couldn't have somebody like, uh, that's throwing a name like that, Tommy Rich or somebody like that. They ain't going to go to the hood to get no dope. You know, I, they said me. And back then, I was, I was, I was mostly selling dope back then. I wasn't, you know, using to later on. And I got with a couple of fellas and they said, go on, try this shit here, Reggie B. You know, me and my dumb ass, so I snorted a little cocaine one night, fucking around with Brickhouse and uh, Rock and Roll Express, I think. It's been many, many, many moves ago. My head kind of clouded, but it'll come back to me as I think about it. But, man, once I started doing that shit, man, it's hard to leave that shit alone. I don't care what nobody say, man. Once you get a taste, it like a fat boy eating a piece of cake. Once he eat one piece, he going to keep on eating it till it's all gone. That's where that dope grab a hold of people, man. You always want it. You're living for it. You want it. Alcohol, drugs, sex, all that shit, man. It's, it's addictive, man. But like I said, man, once I really got in the game, you know, that's how I really got in the game because I was serving these boys and they was kind of like putting me over. And one day that Brickhouse and Iceman King Parson, they had a manager named Harold Harris. It's on down the road. It could be about two, three years down the road. He got, he went to, he went to jail. I think he gone home now. I know he, uh, they say he passed away. Four, five years ago. Anyway, long story short, he uh, he went to jail for cocaine or something. Brickhouse went to Lawler and told him, hey, man, we got somebody else want to bring in to be our manager. And from day one, man, I got on that stick, man. I'm not bragging. You know, I'm not talking shit. I'm just swallowing spit. But he told me, yeah, we can use you. Cause you you street. And, you know, they don't have too many blacks in the game. No way. You know what I'm saying? They really did talk a lot of you know, ghetto street shit. And Laura said, yeah, okay, we, we can use him, man. It's, it's been a rap ever since, 33 years, you know. He, he last 10 years, we kind of been on hyenas, but I still wrestle, man. I go, I go anywhere and wrestle. I try to stay in shape, but if they call me, I would be there, bro. Trust me. You know, you, you, you just, Reggie, you just threw out a lot at us here. Let me, let me take a step back here. Cause that's just, <laughs> that's some great history there, bro. Um, First and foremost, you you talked about your DVD, and we're going to give some information later on in the episode. Uh, I know you have a great YouTube channel, which we're going to promote later on as well, because, folks, you you have to listen to the Reggie B interviews here where he just he shoots on everything and anything and everything. This is just a little taste of what you're going to get if you check out some of his stuff on YouTube and even you could order his DVDs, which we'll give information later. But let me back up for a second, Reggie, because a lot of folks are afraid to talk about the wild, wild west days of the pro wrestling industry, especially when we were going from the 70s and into the 80s and the early 90s. There was a, a very serious drug problem going on, right? Fuck. Shit, even the fucking promoters was getting high back then. I can name some, but I started, but let me tell you one thing before we, we get we get too far. Like you said, I won't get too far in my head of myself, dude. I'm not going to throw nobody under the bus. You know why I ain't going to throw nobody on the bus? If I throw somebody on the bus, I'm going to be right there beside them. They're going to be on the right side of the tire. I'm going to be on the other side. You know, that double axis bus tire, I'm going to be right there beside them. Because, man, I did my share, too. Ain't no sense of me lying. I wouldn't lie to you. I lied for you for I lied to you, like I said earlier. Everybody was getting fucked up, man. When I tell you everybody was on Sunday, one fucking pills. It was, it was uh, uh, weed, cocaine, alcohol. I knew some people couldn't even go in the ring unless they was high. 
that they were half-ass drunk, you know. And don't let it be out there where, you know, we stay up all night wrestling, entertain us, everybody. I, you get through wrestling at 10, 11 o'clock at night, man, you up until 5 or 6 in the morning, partying, drinking, bitches everywhere. You know, it was, it was hard back then, man. And everybody, boy, if I get the name of some names, you had to be on this uh, interview with me for about seven hours, man. I'm telling you, bro, it was bad back then. Reggie, Reggie, what was the what was the main drug of choice? If 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 you were to say that, you know, if you were to rank it, the, the the top one or two drugs that pretty much everybody was messing around with, what would you say was it back then? Cocaine and somers, cocaine and pill, bro. I'm talking about everybody on. They called it sneeze. Back in the day, you know, to you young, how old are you, bro? You young man, ain't you? Yeah, man, I'll, I'll be 38 uh, in December. 38 years. I got draws older than you, bro. I'll be 59 next month. I mean, I'm sorry, January, but I got in this street game early selling weed and cocaine. Back then, it wasn't, it was, a, it was a really, it wasn't no black man drug, twice a drug that cocaine when We were just smoking weed. You know, you had a brother go to the Navy, he may bring back a little tie stick a little shine or something like that overseas, but man, everybody wanted cocaine. Once that shit hit over here, it hit over here in the 70s, I know, because I wasn't no more than 15 or 16. I, I looked at it. I never did want to try because I heard so many bad things about it, but the, the, going back to your question, the drug of choice back then was cocaine and them fucking pills, and it was hard to get that. Don't get steroids, too. That's a drug, too. That shit was popular back then, real popular back then. I know, cause I tried steroids. I tried it. I took four shots one time back in the early '90s, '92, '93. And when that shit costing you four hundred dollars a bottle, you ain't getting but three or four shots. You know how much four hundred dollars was back in the early '90s? Shit, man, you can damn near buy your house for four hundred dollars back then. You would have to use that shit at least once or twice every every month. You got to get a new valve. So I said, no, nah, man, I'm gonna leave this alone, bro. I don't want no more of this. And that cocaine. Man, that cocaine was so pop. I know people used to go in the ring with their cocaine and their tights. They have a little pocket, you know, tights were basically something like swimming trunks. And a lot of people had pockets sold on the inside of their tights. Shit, man, they'd be take them, take them one hitters in the ring and be bumping right in the corner, dude. You'll never know it. Go down and roll on the floor, motherfucking line of stay on the floor for two or three minutes. What the fuck is this motherfucker doing? She come back up, man, they got eyes down me rolling in the back of their head and shit. I don't seen that shit before, man. And I used to go in the way and hide myself smoking weed. Me and Brick House to be up all night. You know, you can get you a pound of weed back then for shit two hundred dollars. A whole fucking pound. And shit, man. Boy, that man is back. crazy. That is crazy. Break, Reggie. And it's still going me, on today. T- tell me something about this though, Reggie, because you you met you wrestled the Memphis territory, you did Texas territory, especially Dallas and what have you. Um you were at the tail end of that whole Von Erich stuff, though. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If you were to, if you were to, to, to pick, which, which territory would you say had had the biggest issue in terms of the substance abuse, the drugs, and the party, and what have you? Would you say it was more Dallas back then, or was Memphis really the one that was that was lit? Yeah, Tennessee, man, that Tennessee territory, bro. Everybody, you know, Tennessee was a stepping stone for most of the wrestlers back in the nineties, two thousand. Everybody you can think of came through the Hogan. Everybody came through Memphis. Jerry Lawler was the man. Jerry Lawler was the man. He had a company. He got, and I don't know how he inherited it. He stole it. They robbed him. I don't know how they got the company from Nick Goulas back in the day. But once Lawler took over, a lot of people don't know Lawler been a boss in it in Memphis territory for shit. 40 years probably. And right through the day, you got to go through Lawler to do anything around that Memphis area for buildings and bringing this in, this and that. But a lot of, lot of, lot of, lot of things, like, like you were asking me earlier, which one was the worst territory. I think Tennessee was the worst, but I done went to the WWF. I done served a lot of motherfuckers. I've been in WWF. I done served a lot of motherfucking WCW. Every, everywhere you go, people want drugs. People want that shit, man. And they was asking me, everybody, I guess the word got out, hey, where can we find something? Well, go over there and ask ready to be fine. You know, he'll tell you anything. Because there wasn't no shame in my game. Me and Brickhouse, you said, man, 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 boy, I'm telling you, man. And in my videos, my shooting interviews and things, y'all, y'all go, y'all, y'all when Duke tell y'all about him, y'all go out there and listen to him and get him. Because I'm naming names. And like I said, I don't give a fuck. 
whole name, my name, I'm telling you the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. If you want to know some dirt about the wrestling game from the promoters, all them motherfuckers getting high, man. They said right to the day, Jim Ross still get fucked up. I heard that a couple of weeks ago. I was in Memphis. I looked at Jim Ross, man, his damn eye about to fall in the back of his head. Like he was on something real, real hard. And I heard they don't do the grapevine what he was on. That's an old motherfucker, you know? So it don't matter how old you are. <clears throat> if you ain't got sense enough to quit, you're going to keep doing it until that shit kill you. My partner, Brickhouse Brown, smoked cocaine. He didn't want no, want no rocks back then. It was just straight powder back then, you know, as the society grew and people started mixing this. You started getting rocks. You started getting crystal meth. You started getting this and that. But my partner, Brickhouse, rest his soul, he got high for, I know, 25 or 26 years straight. And we was getting high together. And I used to tell him all the time, I said, man, I'm going to leave this shit alone. This shit going to kill us, man. It already killed in your pocket. And he said, I said, man, I quit maybe about two years before I asked him about this. I said, hey, man, how long are you going to be fucking with this shit, man? He said, well, Reggie, I'll probably fuck with it till the day I die because I can't quit. A lot of motherfuckers on that dope down there smoking that crack back then. And Junkyard Dog, rest his soul. Brickhouse, rest his soul. Coco, that's a lot of us was on that fucking shit, man. But I never did hit the pipe, though. I always, what you call, primo. Everybody know what that is. When you take the cocaine, you break it down, you put it inside some weed, and we take the rock and you sprinkle inside the weed. Smoking and smoking, I don't give a fuck how you do it. But like I said, back then, bro, there's so many people was getting high off of that shit. It's a wonder the territory even made it back then. I'm talking about everybody. If somebody was in the USWA or WCW or or USWA, I mean, not USWA, CWA, Power Pro, uh, World Class, I bet you, bet you be fine. I got them motherfuckers some dope. I made more money selling dope than I did wrestling, bro. It's a shame to say that, but I enjoyed it, the wrestling, but I never did get people shit when I first got to the building. I always waited till we came out of the ring. But here you go, bro. What you need? Boom, boom, boom. Give me eight ball. Give me pretty. Da, 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 da. I never did give him, gave it to them when I first got in the building because I always had a motherfucker to meet me and to bring it to me. But I wasn't riding dirty. I didn't. I wasn't riding dirty. You know, Reggie, you got me thinking here, man. And, and this is why I always say, when any time your name pops up, I say, you know, Reggie, Reggie, be fine. Was was that was who he really was? That wasn't a gimmick. That wasn't an act. That's Reggie, be fine. You one of your original. Uh, gimmicks that you had put on you which clearly wasn't a gimmick is that you were the candy man <laughs> see i remember that reggie <laughs> wow man that's the first fucking gimmick man that was way back in the days jerry lawler gave me that gimmick you know he's the, he the master of gimmicks he said man well, you're the candy man but he didn't know what i was doing jerry lawler squared the pool table twice as green back then that motherfucker didn't do nothing right to the day he still don't do nothing he's 71 years old still wrestling still in the ring but that motherfucker, if you put out a, uh, <laughs> you can put out a bag full of weed. That motherfucker think it's some sage. You know that's how green he was back then. <laughs> you know you had that motherfucker like Dundee and the other motherfucker that knew what it was. You know they were getting high and shit back in them days. But Lawler ain't never. I ain't never seen that motherfucker drink a beer, dog. And like I said though, man, he he put that Candyman gimmick on me. He did a lot. He put the Godfather get. Believe it or not, man, it's something that we can. I don't know we can. I'm kind of jumping the ship a little bit too now, but that Godfather gimmick, y'all seen Charles Wright do up in WWF. Where you think that came from, man? The whole train and all that shit. I was the original pimp, man. They put that gimmick on me way before that old bitch ass, uh, what's that nigga name? Uh, what was his name? Uh, Tom Pritchard, brother. He was, uh, he was over. Oh, you talking about then. Bruce, Bruce Pritchard. Bruce Pritchard. He was over town relations back then. He took that gimmick, he stole that gimmick from me and put it on the Godfather. You know, I was doing the same thing in Memphis with that Godfather. I had holes, I had white holes on my elbow, I had black holes on my elbow. I didn't give a fuck who I had that night, whoever they picked it, they wanted to walk down the aisle, you know. That's what was a gimmick. And they took that same gimmick and took it to New York and put it on. I could have, I was 275, 80 pounds then. Shit, I could have did jobs every night. I just go to show favoritism and ain't what you know is who you know. But they took that gimmick off of, stole that from me. Even the, even the people champion, you know, the Rock, you said that he was the people champion. Every picture you had of me back in the day on the bottom of my pictures was the people champion. They stole all that shit from me, man. That's why I didn't give a fuck about the business no more, man. I can tell you about all these old dog-ass motherfuckers, man, that, that didn't treat people right. That's why 
they kept me around so long, Duke, because I was the man. I literally was the man when it came to getting drugs and shit. But it, it was an old saying is that you can't get high off your own supply. That's why I was fucking up at the first couple of years when I was in the game. I'm just getting high in the fucking day was, you know. And that's why I kind of like bagged up off everything. But anytime a motherfucker come to Memphis, even this last show we just did, I haven't seen some of them guys in 20, 25 years. But the first thing they asked me, where the shit at? Where's that, Reggie? What you want, motherfucker? Coke, speed of weed. I'm going to go get it. What you want? I don't deal in it no more, but I know where it's at. Now, once you go in the hood, once you come from the hood, you you don't forget, you know, it'd be just another generation. Be the little young bucks out there selling dope and getting dope and shit now. And it's so hard out there now on these kids, man, with these pills and, and this damn uh, ecstasy and Lord Tabs and Vicodins and Somers, you know, all that shit's still around, man. But these kids taking it to another level. These motherfuckers even, guess what they selling on the streets now? They 20, 21 years old, 22 years old, and they taking it. What's, what's you know, that? Viagra. What? Viagra. Them young motherfuckers give you $20, $30 for one pill. Now, why are you 21, 22 years old need some Viagra for? Come on, man. It's just crazy. It's still crazy with this drug scene, man. Because once they get rid of one thing, they bring in another. But back to what you said, man, I think Tennessee was the worst. You know, New York, WWF was, it was up there too now. It was up there too, but he just can't pay a lot of shit up there, you know. But see, a lot of people don't know, man. I've been wrestling for 33 years off and on. I never made it to the big, big league. I was in New York from 96 to the first part of 98. I was just doing job, curtain jerker, you know, putting motherfuckers over, Yoko Zuma, uh, Bob Harley, Bam Bam Bigelow, Captain B. You know, I wrestled against a lot of them guys up there. But I just, you know, I just never did. I never could wrestle. Let me put it like that. I was all right, but I, I never was no superstar, too stiff. I wouldn't jump. I never threw a drop kick in my life. I never jumped off the top rope. I never did none of that crazy shit, man. I was just kicking, punching, scratching, kicking, kicking, punching, scratching, that type shit. But that drug, man, is a motherfucker, boy. Whoa, Reg, Reggie, Reggie, tell me this, though, because you were a guy that was so good on the mic. As you said, you know, the, the, the things that you were coming up with, Folks up in New York were taking it and putting on the WWF wrestlers or what have you. Reggie, do you feel that um, did you burn any bridges or did you upset anybody? Or maybe they just preferred you to be the candy man and that's why they didn't want to elevate you beyond where you were. Well, you got to go across a bridge to even, even, even come to a bridge to even burn one. So on the motherfucker I had a problem with up there when I went up there one time was Undertaker, you know, even like my partner, late great King Mabel used to tell me, oh, we used to run together all the time. We used to get fucked up together too, drink, smoke, gamble, and do every fucking thing. He told me that, watch that motherfucker right there, man. I've been knowing Mark when he came through Memphis. A lot of these guys came through Memphis. I was already there. I was a fixture there, man. Gerald Ola loved me, man. Because I used to talk all this shit, you know, and, you know, keep everybody informed of what was going on. You know, you know, you know I ain't going to say, uh, oh, uh, uh, nothing negative toward nobody unless I know it's the truth. But a lot of them white boys, I was like a brother to them, man. They'll tell you in a minute, man. The late, great Buddy Landell was a good friend of mine. I loved him, man. Tommy Rich. I just seen him for the first time in shit, probably 15, 20 years last week. And like it ain't, like we ain't never missed a beat. And a lot of them guys may know for a fact, Dangerous Doug Gilbert. They know if they call me, I'm coming. I don't give a fuck what they might need or what they might want or what they might you know want me to do or whatever, whatever. But I never burnt no bridges. It's an old thing my aunt told me years and years ago from Chicago. She said, never burn a bridge and we had to cross again. So I really didn't do nothing to motherfucker. Like you that dickhead Tom Pritchard. I mean not Tom Pritchard, uh, Bruce Pritchard used to look at me all the time and he had to he knew I was, you know, doing what I did. He's brain Ron killing K quick. He he brought them to Memphis a lot back in the day, twenty something years ago. And then, you know, number type of motherfuckers, I'm going to name some brothers, you know, if you listen to my shoot videos, I got some brothers in our name that, you know, type of motherfucker that threw a rock, man, when we got caught, when the window got broke, they're going to hide their hands, you know, motherfucker from Booger T, all of us, man. I never had no problem with Stevie Ray, never had no problem with Booger T, I never had no problem with none of them brothers. But always one or two of them son bitches always want to try to bring you down. Cause you're doing something that they want to do. 
you know, if you're in the closet smoking crack or snorting cocaine and you don't want no motherfucker to know, and then when somebody, you know, say something to you about it, if you get men all out of shape, I let you know you're guilty right then. But see, I ain't gonna sit here and tell you, man, that I ain't never did shit. I ain't gonna sit here and tell you that I ain't never, you know, served nobody or gave this wrestler, gave, uh, uh, I'm just throwing names out there. Jamie Dundee was one of the craziest fuckers you ever want to meet. But he was fucked up on that cocaine. He the type of motherfucker one of his. If you see Jamie Dundee fighting a barrel, you better help the barrel. Especially when he on that shit. But he know I love him and stayed over my house. Randy Hills, Wolfie D, PG, all these motherfuckers. It's good friends of mine still to the day. But everybody got skeletons in their closet, man. Everybody got raving bats and they got every damn thing in the closet. But back to what you're saying, I never burnt no bridges with nobody, as I can think of. I didn't get along too much with Eric Embry and uh, uh, what's that other Harry motherfucking name? I never did tell him that. Uh, what's his name? He's been in Memphis, been around for years. He was in New York doing some kind of manager gimmick. Oh man, what's his name? I'm not talking about uh, uh, Percy. No, not Percy Pringle. We never did have no problem. You know, I spoke to him a couple of times when I was in World Class before he got his big push. <clears throat> Uh, what's this dude's name? Been in Memphis forever, man. Dutchman Tales. See, motherfucker, I know you don't hear the dirty Dutchman Tales. He was in New York doing something. But see, people like that, man, that that try to take advantage of motherfuckers back then. See, I was too bad back then. I was too nice of a gentleman to really say something. But I never gave two fucks about him. You know what I'm saying? Sometimes you keep shit to yourself without the wild with all this old crazy shit going on with the police and the Black on black, and they killing motherfuckers. You know, if you're scared of your job, motherfucker, find you something else to do. If you want to, if you think you got to pull a gun on somebody every time you get into with somebody, and you want to shoot and kill somebody, man, that ain't constitution, man. I don't know even how you even live with yourself. I'm licensed to carry too. On most of my videos, y'all see me with. I got all kind of shit in my house. M16, fucking Berettas. You would think I was uh, a psychopath from the war or something. But you always got to take care of yourself. But if you think you're going to do something real, real bad to somebody, you better go talk to somebody, man. You don't have to dog nobody out in the day and time. But the people are still doing it. Black, white, you know, it don't, it don't, you know, it's crazy how that shit working, man. And that's man tell that one of them motherfuckers try to take advantage of motherfuckers, get you in the rings, half shoot on you, and, you know, make you do all the driving and, you know, don't want to buy his own hotel rooms and, you know, being, trying to be respectful to the, to the to the sports and, and to the veterans, you know, you just kind of like play along with that shit. But man, if I know what I know back then, ooh, we all in the last of the year in this shit, dog. Motherfucker like Lawler and motherfucker like <clears throat> just Ted alone just told me, uh, probably been about what two weeks now that Bill Dundee, somebody I love dearly that I've been knowing ever since I've been wrestling, never had one problem with him. He sucker punched me one time in the ring, hit me in the ear. But I, on the side of the head, hard as a motherfucker. But I'm making my big comeback, and I supposed been gave him a spot. But I just tagged and got out the ring, and bam, that motherfucker hit me right in the ear. But other than that, we never had a problem. But he, Ted alone told me on one of his interviews, he, I seen it from myself. He said, BRD called him a nigga right in the middle of the ring. I never thought BRD was talk, would talk to people like that, because I've been around him 30 some years. I never heard him say that shit, you know. He said he called him ring. Ted alone was trying to break him up or something. He said, he said, being on D just holler right in the middle of somewhere down in Georgia, a house full of people. Get your hand off of me, you fucking nigger. And he said, the whole fucking building just went quiet. And then somebody said, got to the dress room. I guess he was doing what you had to do back then. He was, he, 30 years later, I addressed it. So I went and got Ted alone, took him over to where on D was. I said, being on D, yo, this man here apology, man. Some shit you said. 30 years ago to this man. He had Teddy say he hadn't seen him. And uh, he said, don't worry about that shit, Reggie B. It is what it is. I said, no, nah, man, right is right, wrong is wrong. See, a lot of people don't know be a superstar Dundee. You know you know what I'm talking about, right? Oh, I, I, I remember Dundee very well, man. He's English. Okay. Yes. So he's 77 years old now. He's still around. He's still doing his little old thing, but he's slipping real bad. You know, he, he getting dimension and uh, I guess all time and stuff. The dude that care for him, you know, that drive him around, mate, they may ask him, you know, every 10 to 15 minutes, hey, where in the fuck is we going, mate? Where we going to do this? Where we going to do this? And I said to myself, but see, I, I called Bill on the at least once a month for the last 30 or some years. So I talked to Bill. That's how much crazy I was 
I'm still crazy about them. It's just saying that using that word loosely like a lot of people use it. But what make it so bad, dude, this is what I don't understand, man. Why can't we call each other niggas, Negroes, or crackers, you know, they can touch, say this to each other, but when you cross the minority, well, you can't say it. You know, people get men out of the shape. You know, like Hulk Hogan. He on tape saying that he fired him. Jerry Lawler on tape saying that he fired us at a... And in two, three weeks, uh, two, three months later, they right back on the scene. A slap on the wrist. All these entertainers, entertainers may say the word nigga or the, uh, a brother may call somebody a cracker or a redneck. That, uh, that, that shit means shit. But it's so, we're so stereotyped now, dude. Like I said, I can go on the record. I can go off the record with the wrestling in society. Because like I said, my head is clear. I don't drink, I don't smoke, I don't do no drugs. I know what I be saying, know what I be doing. But people need to quit doing all this stupid shit. Just stay in your lane. If somebody, the police done killed a black man, why in the hell you gonna have 25 Mexicans and, and 45 white people going up there helping you protest, and they the first one to throw a rock and bust out the one in downtown, and you know the niggas gonna go in there and grab them some Jordans and some, and some, and some Louis Vuitton shit. We don't need nobody helping us burn down our own shit. That's why I tell people, you gonna burn down your shit. Go, 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 go where you mad at somebody. Go out in the suburb and burn their shit down. Don't burn down wherever you got to go shopping and go to the grocery store. And when it all said and done, you got to go right back out to the suburb. Anyway, man, I, that's a whole nother subject right there. I like to elaborate on. I, I elaborated a little bit on my shoot interview shoot. And I find myself getting off of the subject, then I can go right back to it. Like you said, I never burned no bridge. I mean, I had to cross again. So if I burned a bridge or, or did something to somebody, they deserve to be talked about. They deserve to be fucked back then. Because I didn't mess with nobody, man. I did not bother nobody. Reggie, Reggie, tell me something here because you 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 kind of jumped into it. Yeah. Um, racism. I mean, we, we you talked about it in society, especially from today's perspective, and it's just completely ridiculous. I think that it's, it's not that society is any more racist than it's ever been. I just think that people are so fed up that we're fighting back now. And with social media, you're, you're seeing it uh, more prevalent in the media and what have you. But this has always been going on. This is nothing new. Oh, but I want to I get your take on racism within pro wrestling. Because you, you've, you've mentioned a couple of things here. You just told the Bill Dundee story with, with Teddy Long, what have you. Let, let me ask you this way. Who is somebody that the average fan would never even assume but they were, you know, racist or just didn't treat people right or something like that. From your perspective, I'm asking Reggie B. Not something that you heard, but something that you've seen and experienced yourself. Who's somebody that people would be surprised to learn is like that? Well, first of all, I can really think of you only never think. Then again, a lot of people would think Jerry Lawler is kind of a racist motherfucker. I love Lawler. Lawler's been good to me through my whole career. Still, I just left his house the other day. But Lawler, in so many ways, he's a racist motherfucker, too. Everybody know that he don't give a fuck about no black, no niggas, or crackers, or white. But Lawler don't give a fuck about no race, to be honest with you. That motherfucker would talk about anybody behind their back. He'd talk shit to me because he's comfortable around me, you know. Because, I mean, I've been kicking it for the longest. That ain't Jerry Lawler's back in them slavery days, back in his forefathers, you know. A law is 71 years old, and they can still use that word loosely. I got another story, man, I heard two weeks ago. No, a week ago, when we was in, in, in Jackson with Jerry Lawler's show. I didn't hear I heard him, but I didn't quite understand what he was saying. Because I was, you know, I was talking to uh, Tommy Rich, and I heard Jim Ross over here talking to Dundee and this other guy. And Dundee friend was telling him about some guy that they came down to AEW when they came to Memphis, they did a dog match for him. I guess he was trying to give him a plug or something for them because they know each other. And uh, he was telling Jim Ross, yeah, I got these couple guys that blah, blah, blah. And, and he said, Jim Ross said, uh, that's just what the company needs, a couple more darkies. You know, I heard him. Yes, yes. So I heard him. I heard him say something, something like dog. I heard something like that, but later on he came back out because the dude went back and told the two wrestlers. But what he said, he was right in his face. I was kind of like off in the side. I just seen him over there talking, you know. Couldn't have been no more about seven, eight feet apart, something like that. But I was, I, was, I heard him, but I didn't really hear him clarify. Because after he told these two little wrestlers, the dude that came back, they heard him and told him, being on these sidekick, told him. And I said, yeah, that sounds like something that motherfucker said. He looked like he's a racist motherfucker, too, you know. 
Even they told me one time, this is another true story. I didn't say nothing about this on my DVD, on my DVD, hey, that a bitch, my DVD uh, on my shoot interview that the word came down from the office. I was in WWF. I was going to wrestle against, uh, I think, Jake the Snake Roberts. They had me doing a, doing a job for Jake the Snake Robinson. But Ahmed Johnson had just came out, had just came out of his match, and that was the next match. And uh, we were doing, I think we were doing Superstars back then. Superstar, the challenge, one of them programs back then. And uh, I was getting dressed and blah, 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 blah. One of the, the talent agents came to me and said, and uh, Vince said, uh, we don't want, he don't want two blacks going back to back. I look too much like Ahmed Johnson. You know, I would be bald head, baggy pants. They didn't want two blacks going back to back. I said, two blacks going back to back. And I said, okay, I was telling on heart, rest his soul. I tell him what was going on. He said, man, look, don't worry about that, bro. You got your money, didn't you? You got your check, you got paid. I said, yeah. But he said, you didn't have to wrestle, so you didn't have to worry about hurting yourself or nothing in the ring. He said, yeah. And so I just kind of like swept it under the rug. And later on, I thought about it. Now, why would the fuck you would come back and tell me that you didn't want two blacks going back to back? Now, what kind of shit is this? That's just, that was some more racist shit I heard. And like I told Vince McMahon, told me one time, he said, well, Reggie, he said, I like the way you, uh, no, I came up to him one day. I think we was in Dallas doing a dog show. I mean, doing a house show in Dallas. I said, uh, Mr. McMahon, uh, you think you can find, no, let me take that back. We was in Philadelphia. And I said, you think uh, you can find me something to do in your organization? He said, yeah, Reggie, I chicken seat. I like your style. I like the way you dress. You know, I always have been a casual dresser. I ain't blowing my own horn. And he told me, he said, yeah, I'll see what I can do. So about two years later, it's 99. It was 97, 98. It was 99. We done it in Dallas. And uh, he was on the cell phone. And uh, he just got off the phone. And uh, I walked up to him. I said, hey, Mr. McMahon, how you doing? He said, I'm doing all right, Reggie B. How you doing? I said, I'm doing just fine. He said, uh, you rem-? I said, did you remember what you told me a year or two ago? He said, he said what was that? I said, you said you're going to look for me. You're going to try to find me something to do in your organization. You know what that motherfucker told me? What's that? I guess I'm still looking and walked off. Oh, man. If I'm lying, pop out the pump. And I know he eats spinach every day. And that's how I feel about Vince McMahon ever since 1989. Man, motherfuck Vince McMahon. And wow. I'm talking about just literally just walked off. I think his phone wrong. And he picked his, he was getting his phone. And before he walked off, he said, I guess I'm still looking. If I'm lying, I ain't on his phone. So I think that's another. I heard so many stories about him up there with Undertaker and King Mabel and, you know, how they talk about him and this and that and Kamala. And it's just so much racism. That shit is still going on in the game, man. And then, you know, you didn't have but one or two at the most three backs in the territory. And we bigger and cutting each other head off. Just like, well, oh, shit, they bringing in Junkyard Dog. But me and Brickhouse and Coco, one of us got to go, you know. And then they need to go kissing ass and getting all up on the promoter's ass. But man, I heard them up on use that word real loosely back then. If I didn't have to use these niggas, I sure wouldn't use them. Uh, old man named Eddie Marlin back in the day told me one time that Brickhouse was talking a lot of shit to him. He said, he said, I said, man, Brickhouse was beat your old ass. He said, he said, that black nigga, no, he said nigga, he said, that black, yeah, I would beat, I would kill this black ass. Some he said, you know, with that racist shit, you know. A lot of people are like that, man. A lot of people are like that. I never heard Jerry Jerry, uh, Jerry Lawler. I mean, uh, Jerry Jerry or Jeff Jerry use that word. Uh, you know, they like a little black, little, little black pussy they damn self. So I don't guess you'll use the word if you like a woman. But I don't know, man. There's so much shit going back down around there, dude. Do you, do you yeah. think it's getting better, Reggie? I mean, you see on TV. uh mm-hmm. There's there's more people of color who are champions and being featured on TV more than ever before in pro wrestling. But do you think it's getting better or is, is it still the same game? All about the money, brother. All about the paper. You, know, you got to try to please people. You know, you try all this this racist shit going on and Black Lives Matter and this and that. How long did they leave the belt on Kofi Kingston? How long did they put the scrap on him for? Think about that. Yeah, they, they put the scrap on him. To try to calm down, let know what WWF ain't racist. We got a black champion now. WCW, back when they had that big lawsuit back in the day. You know, they weren't treating niggas right back then. Everybody walked out with Booker T. You know, 
He don't want got the million dollar contract up in New York and this and that. And it's a lot of things. You just got to open your eyes and see and smell the coffee. Everybody trying to cover their tracks. You know, Vince McMahon, the company that he running, well, he probably ain't running it no more. He just saying the last word. But you don't see no black champion. Man, you see, uh, you know, if it's just all is a work anyway, you can make this telephone a world champion. You got to do but let Hulk Hogan if fall on his back and, and, and put the cell phone on top of his chest and one, two, three, the cell phone, the world champion. So it's just a, a work. Like Coco B. World telling me, this Hall of Fame shit, man, that shit ain't shit. They give you, they give you a fucking plaque and a, a little old bullshit ass ring ain't even gold. You know, that's it. It's a big, 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 it's just all about money in the market. I'm not mad at nobody, man. I'm a little bitter at this game because I could have been a truck driver or a pimp or something. Instead of riding this motherfucker for the last 30 some years, riding up and down this highway, you know, never got paid. If I wasn't selling dope back then, shit, I'd probably been the brokest motherfucker in the wrestling game. But every time you see me, I had on something differently. I had, I never see me with the same clothes or the same outfit. Cause I was making my money one way or the other, man. So, like I said, I don't want to really put too much out here, man. Like I said, I need y'all to go check out these DVDs and, you know, you know, I know you're going to put a lot on your thing, but. But I'll be talking to you, hopefully on a regular basis. I got so much shit to talk about, man. Y'all just don't know, man. But this game oh, is well, fucked up, been fucked up, and it's gonna be always fucked up. So, Reggie, let's talk about w. this for a second. Let's talk about this for a second, Reggie, because you have mm-hmm. recorded literally hours upon hours of material where you've put it all out there. You know what I mean? You you naming names, like you said. Now, number one, you throw yourself under the bus, so you admit you own up to the things that you've done. Uh, you put that out there clearly. But you you make it clear some of the folks who weren't up were up to no good, so to speak, back in in the day and what have you. Um, I know that you have your YouTube channel where you've put a, a little taste of that out there, but you do have DVDs that you put together as well, and you're looking for somebody to partner with to uh, get this distributed properly and what have you there. So you know, for all you folks in the business who are listening, especially if you are into um, video distribution or even streaming or what have you, Reggie B is sitting on a gold mine. I mean, I, I've gotten to hear some of the stuff and it just, it'll blow your mind. It'll blow your mind. Um, I was, I was very particular with Reggie about, I, I didn't want to spoil too much, but some of the biggest names in wrestling, Reggie is, has been there with and understands what they were into and how they were into it and what have you. And, and Reggie speaking from firsthand experience. So this, this is major. This is major stuff here. Uh, Reggie, tell everybody about the YouTube channel, because I know from there you're going to be posting links to how to actually purchase the DVDs and what have you. What's the YouTube channel, Reggie? Well, you can go on there and just type in my name, Reggie B. Fine, but some goofball, two or three goofball got the uh, the name Fine, Reggie Fine, but it's F-I-N-E, that's how they got there. But mine is P-H-I-N-E. It's Reggie B. P-H-I-N-E. And be fine, spelled like that. But like I said, it's a lot of stuff. It ain't a whole lot of stuff out there right now. But I'm, I'm constantly gonna, like I said, get people to, to, to bite in on me. Uh, you know, posting a lot of stuff. It's about four teasers out there now. They between eight and maybe ten, twelve minutes long. Just touching on certain things about this and that, and this and that. You know, go and get the DVD. Cause like I said, anybody interested in, you know, want to get with me. Or partner up, or we can we can shoot some new ones, or you can use the ones I get. I don't mind sitting down talking shit, cause I can talk shit and swallow spit for days if you need me to. Cause I ain't got nothing to do. Only thing I do, me and Ice Man King Parson down here in Dallas. Only thing I do is every day, damn man, is sit on the lake. He got a lake in his backyard on his property, rather. That's all we do is sit out there and fish and talk a lot of different shit. I got interviews with him. I got interviews with Brick House. So you you all need to really check out my YouTube channel, Facebook. However you want to do it, if somebody interested in, you know, hooking up and, you know, want to get some of these things done, you know, you can get, they can go through you, go through your channel. Cause I think we're going to have a relationship together. I kind of got a, I got a vibe about you, bro. It seems like you, you know, on the up and up. You know Jazz and Rodney Max, they friends of mine. I helped Jasmine get in this business, you know. I kind of like gave her a couple of steps to walk over, a couple of boards to walk across when she first got in this business. And she'll tell you herself. And me and Jazz go way back. Oh, we we not too far. We 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 live too far apart from each other. She right there in Mississippi, right in the tip of Mississippi. I'm right there in Memphis, and I kind of like help her, you know, get a few steps in her career going forward. She'll tell you that. If you ever ask her, she'll tell you. But 
I'm right now I'm trying to push my shit, get my shit out there. No, but no, man, I'm just talking. But right now, like I said, I would like to get it out there. You know, you go on YouTube, Facebook. I can't take no more Facebook friends. I think I'm at my limit on this this page right here. I just had to delete one page. I only give you about 5000 unless you a superstar or something. You can get one that, like The Rock, you know. I think it's best to follow me on Twitter and Instagram. I think I got some shit set up out there, too. Which I'm not a big computer whiz person, you know. I don't, you know, get all off into that shit like that, man. But, you know, I'm more word of mouth, though. But I know enough to be dangerous, but I ain't that sharp when it comes to, you know, well, come that on now, Reggie. Don't, 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 don't be modest, Reggie. Listen, folks, I'm going to give you a shoot behind the scenes here. Reggie B. Fine <laughs> was able to fire up Zoom and get it all situated on his phone and, and do all that. So don't let this dude fool you about he ain't a technology whiz. He, he's able to get it done, man. Well, I ain't the shower knife in the draw, but I'll cut a motherfucker, though. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I, just, I just know enough to get by, you know. I ain't with all this technology shit. I, ain't, I didn't graduate from high school, and, and I don't know nothing. Now, you put three ounces of cocaine, uh, two ounces of weed, and a stack of money, I'm, 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 I'm going to read them numbers all right. But all that other shit, man, my patience is short, man. <clears throat> I picked the wrong profession to get in because I was already nuts from the start. I wasn't the sharpest kid, no way, but I know enough to get dang- I know enough to be dangerous, man. But like I said, I'm not, not trying to you know, offend nobody, not offend the ones that gone home, but the truth is the truth. Ain't nobody here to vouch for them or speak for them. Some of the people that are still here, you know, if I can tell you a story about, uh, ooh, I'm just putting out that cane. They, I can tell you some story about Kane. Kane is still living, so he'll vouch to you what I said. I hadn't seen Kane in 25 years until I seen him up at the at the Jerry Lawler show last weekend. Don't you know that man still remember who I was? And he remembers say, "Yeah, it's my first tag team partner right here." They teamed us together in Memphis about two or three months when he first did Doomsday. Uh, Isaac, no Doomsday. That's what his name was, and me and him. A tag team partner over 25 years ago, and that man still remember me. That, you know, that, that goes to show, you know, that you, you may be out of sight, out of mind, but once you got back in sight, the person remember you. So you must have been doing some good back then. Because there ain't a bad word I could tell you about that man back then. I know he didn't drink, he didn't smoke. He just sit in the back seat and read it. When we go into a town, just sit back there and read a book or newspaper or something. So I can't tell you shit about nobody. I wouldn't lie on no. I know what I'm trying to say. I wouldn't lie to, lie to you about nobody, man. You know, I'm not throwing nobody on the bus. This way, you can make a living telling the truth, selling the DVD. Because you go online, you hear Tony Atlas, you hear Uncle Tunk Man, you hear everybody talk about everybody. I don't know how true it is. I know Brickhouse interviews was 50% lies because I was with him every day for 30 years. And half of the shit he talked about wasn't even true. Now, how you going to tell somebody you went and smoke dope with Michael Irvin? And, and and you don't win it and hung out with vanity and I you know sometimes it's realistic you can say okay yeah he might have did that but sometimes you can think about this bullshit you know fucking bullshit but see I got the proof in the pudding I got pictures of everybody you can name in this wrestling game pictures right side by side Magic Johnson I got pictures with everybody autographed this autographed that from Penn and Hardaway Michael Jordan you know. Yeah, because I used to gamble a lot, too. I used to see Michael Jordan in the casino. It's hard to get to that motherfucker, but I caught him on the elevator. I followed him. I had my book. He signed a book for me. I had a book with me, but I had to go back and get it. I knew he was going to be down there for a couple of days gambling. But like I said, though, man, y'all can reach me on YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, all that shit. Such a cool dude, man. Reggie B. Fine is one of a kind, baby. That's for sure. That's for sure. And again, folks, I, I the the clicking sound that you heard there, the, what's called audio clipping, I understand it, it's it's a little annoying, what have you. But you know, like I said, I'm gonna have Reggie come back on the show, and we'll do a part two, uh, and I'll I'll help out, make sure that the the audio is is much better. We'll probably do it at a time where we definitely have the clearest of the skies on both ends to help out with that. But man, that, you talk about some crazy information there. You know, and, and, you know, you mentioned um, Jim Ross and, and he looked a little glassy eyed or what have you there. And let me just say this about Jim Ross, because I know that he's in recent years, he's been upfront about the fact that he is a a person who partakes in marijuana and has throughout his entire career in pro wrestling. He's also had other addiction issues and what have you that he's says that he's uh, defeated. And I believe him on that. 
Um, so, you know, the, the look in his eyes that Reggie's referring to very well could be from the influence of some type of marijuana product or what have you. And, hey, I think we all support that. Anything, as long as you're not doing the, the real narcotics or what have you, um, please stay away from that stuff. You know, some of these other heavier drugs and what have you. But if it's marijuana product, whether it's an edible or, you know, you're smoking it or what have you, uh, hey, man, have at it. Have at it. So that was that was an interesting point. And the whole superstar uh, Bill Dundee stuff, just, you know, for all of you folks who are longtime wrestling fans, you remember superstar Bill Dundee, very popular wrestler in the in the Mid-South area, but also uh, a behind-the-scenes guy who really – you know, was credited for being a creative booker and and would come up with um, matches and, and finishes and things of that nature there. So interesting stuff about superstar Bill Dundee. And that's not the first I've ever heard about him carrying on in such a manner, which is disappointing, but I am glad that he actually apologized. So that's that's major. That's major. And I'll tell you, man, you know, Reggie B. Fine has his YouTube channel where there is an abundance of stuff on there. You know, he gives some previews of his shoot interviews that he's, he's done. So definitely you got to check that out. Please check that out. You're going to crack up. You're going to be like, Whoa, because there's some heavy stuff there too, man. And this is stuff that you are, you're not going to hear too many other places. I mean, Reggie is legitimately peeling back the curtain on this. So got to check it out. Got to check it out. Reggie B. Fine. Now, again, he said it on his YouTube. It's P-H-I-N-E. That's the, that's the page that he has. And that page in particular is just the shoot interviews. So I'll post that in the, in the comments section of the post for this episode so you can get right directly to it. But, you know, just a cool dude. Definitely going to have him back, you know. Speaking of, of cool, I want to give a shout out once again to our friend Marco Mania who is, you know, he just put out a shirt where he's supporting breast cancer research. So, you know, let's hear from Marco Mania real quick here. This is Marvelous Marco Mania, and I need your help to body slam breast cancer. For the entire month of October, you can head over to www.prowrestlingtees.com and search for Marco Mania and purchase my exclusive Ursula Mania pro wrestling t-shirt all proceeds that come to me from the sale of this shirt will be donated directly to the women's cancer resource center in berkeley california together we can continue to help one another defeat breast cancer for good thank you again to marco mania definitely a worthy cause we appreciate that that's good stuff you know and thank you once again folks for listening here we appreciate you every week going to continue to bring some great guests. I mean, you know, Reggie be fine. Come on, man. <laughs> that dude is lit. You know what I mean? So to, to be able to deliver that type of interview, that's what we're here for. That's what we're here for. And of course, please uh, hit that subscribe button wherever you listen. You know, a lot, I, I take a look at the analytics. I know a lot of you folks listen on iTunes and Spotify, which is absolutely great. Make sure you hit the subscribe button. And also give us a review. You know, five stars are appreciated, but give us a review on the show. Those are always very helpful. You know, for my sponsors and what have you, like to show them that stuff there. And uh, let me know if there's anyone that you want to hear on the show. You know, not just a wrestler. It could be a personality from the sports or entertainment world as well. Uh, really, you know, love to talk to them, of course. And you if, you, if you think you can debate the Duke on any wrestling topic, you know, bring it on down. I'm ready. This is the time of year when I really bring on some uh, listeners and what have you, and we kind of duke it out on some of these things, no pun intended. So I'm opening up the lines once again because, hey, there's a lot to talk about. I mean, we're about to go into what's called the fall sweeps, where you're going to get some of the best TV content in general, especially from pro wrestling. So, you know, there's a lot that we can talk about. Ember Moon just came back to NXT. What's that all about? You know, Ali, Mustafa Ali is the leader of retribution in the WWE. Whoa, that's interesting. They essentially turned this guy heel, right? And then, of course, you got AEW. I mean, Cody just won the TNT uh, television championship back, which is embarrassing. I don't understand that. 
Um, but let's see where that goes. So there's a, there's a lot going on in the wrestling world. So, hey, hit me up. At Duke Loves Wrestling on Twitter, on Facebook. At Duke Loves Wrestling at gmail.com. If you want to email, send me your voice clips or what have you. And anyone who's really, really interesting, we'll have you come on the show. Like I said, you know, we can debate. No issues with that. Okay, folks, per usual, be kind to yourselves. Be kind to others. Be safe out there. It's hurricane season, baby. Everywhere. I'm sure you can hear the wind howling in the background here in my secret location. So I got to get out of here. Take it away, Tony Schiavone. This is Tony Schiavone, and we're desperately out of time on Duke Love Wrestling.